I'm a huge mindset person. Like, you know, you want to change your life and you want to get passive income or whatever it is you're hoping real estate will do for you. It's not going to only be the strategy and the, you know, how to actually implement the skill sets that you need to do it. It's going to be your mindset and how you have to change. It's the two together that are really going to make the change. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. It's another episode here with Jason Muth and Rory Gill, attorney, broker, next home title town real estate in Urban Village, Leland, Boston. Rory, we have an esteemed guest here today. We're going to be speaking with the founder of the Women's Real Estate Network. And we're so grateful to have her on the podcast today. We'd love to learn more about her story, uh, why she founded the Women's Real Estate Network, what she's learned along the way, some of her investments herself. And Rory, what do you think about groups like this? There's a lot of affinity groups in the in the real estate space where people are coming together under a common umbrella and uh, learning among themselves. I mean, I know um, from my experience, groups like this have been tremendously important to me as I built my career in law and in real estate um, from starting out solo, uh, a small bar association that was specifically meant for people who started their own practice right out of law school, um, the MLGBTQBA and other organizations that really have um, uh, just provided people with great resources. They're building their own careers. So I'm always happy to, to explore the work that everybody else is doing. Um, and I'd love to welcome Deborah onto the podcast. Welcome, Deborah. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Rory, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm great today. Awesome. We're great. And you're out in California. It's always a great day in California. <laughs> it is always a great day in California. Oh, except for yesterday, which was tax day. <laughs> oh, well, you're a real estate investor. That 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 could be a good day for you, for us. Yeah, it's, it's not thing. so bad. You can also yeah. say that. But, you know, they say it's sunshine, sunshine tax out here. Yes, exactly. You know, here in Massachusetts, they used to call it Taxachusetts. But, you know, I've been here for 20 years. I just haven't had that sense. Rory, what am I missing? Do I just have good accounting or bad? No, or- have, I mean, we have bad branding, but whenever you look at the um, the tax burden per capita, we tend to be about 25th out of 50. So we're not a low tax state, but mm-hmm. we're not really leading uh, the country in terms of high tax burden. Yeah. yeah, California certainly has the tax burden there. Where are you in California? Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, what part of L.A.? I love L.A. Burbank. Are you? Burbank. Oh. I've been to Burbank many times. Yeah. I flew into Bur- I flew into Burbank once. Yeah, I used to I used to travel out there a lot for a couple jobs ago. Back when I worked in the media business, I was I had a lot of clients out in Los Angeles, so that was always a fun trip. Yeah. So Deborah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, about the Women's Real Estate Network. Uh, when did you found that? Why did you find it? Found it? Uh, what have you learned about um, being part of a group like that? Right. So I have been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, but I've only been in real estate about the last 14. I had an accident in my life that kind of changed my direction, which we can talk about if you want to later. But, um, you know, I was I was in real estate and I was flipping like mainly. Right. And so my whole idea or my investment philosophy at that time was to flip for capital and then I would reinvest the capital and buy and hold for cash flow because my ultimate goal was cash flowing in, right? I'd read the purple, little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 
I bought into it all and that's what I was doing. So I was flipping in California. And at that time, I was um, reinvesting in, in single family homes in Memphis, Tennessee. There was a point at which a bunch of the big capital companies came in and started buying up a lot of the flips. And I was really like, really, you know, frustrated in this business. Now, anybody who's ever been in this business a while knows that frustration comes with the territory. <laughs> it can be a very frustrating business, but I was very frustrated in this business. I kept, I couldn't seem to get my next flip. And I, I just kind of was feeling like, where are the girls? Where, where are my ladies around me? And, and it's, you know, no difference. I've had tons of great, you know, education and stuff from guys, but women look at things a little differently. And I just wanted to surround myself with some ladies. So I actually ended up calling a bunch of friends who were full-time real estate investors, not all flippers. Like there's a couple of women that own, you know, so, uh, storage units. There was a note woman. There was a, a few of us and we, and we all had lunch on one Sunday. And we did what women do, which is like, oh, I, I'm having a problem here. Does anybody have a foundation guy? Or I'm having a, a you know a legal issue here. Does anybody have a good you know tenant attorney? Whatever it was. And at the end of that lunch, I said I was thinking about doing this quarterly. And somebody goes, no, let's do it. You know, every other month. And sure enough, people started opening up their homes, and there was always wine involved. And you know, we got <laughs> together and we told each other our real estate woes. And we helped each other, you know, and um, and then I realized at some point after we had been meeting for a while that there is a whole lot of other women di that didn't get the benefit that I was getting from meeting with all these really experienced investors. And I thought, well, let's maybe I start a meetup. And that's when, you know, Ren really started. I, I started a meetup in Los Angeles. I took women from that group. And we, um, and we featured them and as speakers and they talked about their business models. And then we started gathering, right? And then a friend of mine came to one of our meetings and said, I want to do one of those in Seattle. And then another friend came. And next thing I know, you know, we had like 11 chapters all over the U.S. right before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just kind of grew, um, because there was this need to see each other succeed, really. And to help each other succeed. And I think that um, one of the things that I think that is really great about our group is that I think when we see other people like us, I mean women, like women who are mothers and wives and daughters and taking care of a lot of stuff, doing like what we want to do, it makes us, it opens up our minds to like, oh, that's possible for me. I can do that. You know, we identify with it. And I know that I've taken advantage of that. I, I met a woman up at our Seattle chapter who was a developer. And I went up to her and I was like, hey, you don't meet, meet very women, there were very many women developers. And she was like, well, you're a flipper, right? I used to be a flipper developing so much easier. And we had this long conversation and I came back to LA and it just opened up the pro that, that opportunity for me. And the next thing you know, I'm developing fourplexes, right? And I'm like, okay, see, you know, we all have to have our, people, you know, around us that can, you know, open up our vision to what's possible for us. And for me, that was other women that were in this business, you know, so yeah, it's been a really great source of inspiration and resources, you know, mm -hmm. and that those first women that I had um, our first brunch with, they ended up becoming financial friends. Like I've led to them. They've led to me. We've JV'd together. And I mean, this business is great for that. You know, but taking other experienced people and 
putting together your resources and your time and your energy and making money for everyone. It's, 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 it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's you're highlighting the two things that I just really love about the real estate community. Um, and from the outside, it's almost surprising, but everybody, you know, first of all, everybody wants to see everybody else succeed and everybody else is so has, in my experience, been so open and sharing, um, their histories, their struggles and tips, um, to the point that it's really a welcoming community, even if we are competing against each other in some aspects of the business or certain certain deals, um, the community is very supportive of each other. Um, but also, pe- um, the community has been really great at kind of inspiring us and making us feel like what we are imagining is possible, or even prodding us to think bigger and bigger. So, I'm really to ha- happy to hear that you know that's been part of um, your experience. And, you know, you're also talking about a group that underrepresented in the real estate development space, and that, that's women. And I just kind of want to ask, you know, pretty directly, what it, what are some of the challenges that women in the space are facing? How has your group and how have you helped other women in the space overcome those obstacles? We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I don't I didn't actually bring my stats with me, but you know, in the long run, women tend to be better investors than men, sorry to say. <laughs> like, you know, we make we make a lot of really good investment decisions. And I and I think part of that is because, you know, I I don't know, <laughs> we're kind of natural shoppers. You know, if a woman is like really wanting something that we know what that good price is and we can like own in on it and grab it. Except <laughs> when it comes to big ticket items. And, you know, what I found in our community is that, you know, when it comes to big ticket items and they're in and there's a lot more involved in it, there's a lack of some confidence that they can do this and they can really make this happen. And so we have a saying in our organization that you can borrow my confidence, mm-hmm. right? Our group is a real mix of, of both experienced and newbie women investors. And I think it really helps not only the newbies, but it also helps, you know, to hear another experienced investor go, you could do this. Let I'll give you my confidence. Go ahead. I looked at the numbers. Do it. You know what I mean? Because I think you just need that sometimes that extra encouragement to sign on the line and put in the offer and open escrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a matter of how we do business, you know? And um, it's a matter of gaining that uh, confidence muscle. Mm-hmm. So speak so that you can lend it out once you have it. There's so much I love about this story so far. Everything you've said, the support that you're giving to other people where you founded a group with them and have multiple chapters, the confidence you're instilling upon each other. You know, the fact that, again, we've said this many times, it's not a zero sum game. Like your success doesn't mean I have to fail. And I think that your group really highlights that. Um, you know, women in this space, like when we go to the typical meetup, we don't see too many women. It seems to be a lot of guys that come to the meetups and there are some women that are there. So I understand the need to maybe have your own community and your own space to be able to have those conversations that maybe you don't feel comfortable having in front of 
some very type A boisterous men that come to these these real estate meetups because we've all been there, right? And and they're there. We don't even like speaking up sometimes at these these situations where you know there's somebody that's controlling the room. And it does not surprise me that women uh, can be better investors than men in this space. Like, it just by no means does this surprise me. I've been to a number of short-term rental conferences lately, and uh, there are a lot of women in that space, which is good to see. And uh, in fact, we had a guest on uh, this podcast, Natalie Palmer, who uh, put on her own conference in Scottsdale this year, uh, level up your listing, and it was a conference for women. And I got to meet her in person at, in Nashville recently at another conference. And you know, I I get it. I get why the space is important. So I give you a lot of credit for for building this. One other thing that you that you touched upon early on, you know, with your career, you had an inflection point in your career where this is now kind of your second chapter of your career that you've been doing. 13 years, 14 years, whatever whatever you mentioned there, which, you know, I would argue is that's a career unto itself. You probably reinvented yourself in this second career a little later on in your life, right? Talk a little bit about that and, and what that was like. You know, like all of a sudden you have an identity and now you have a second identity that you have to build up, which, you know, in us meeting for the first time here, this is all we know you as. But what was it like when you had to switch that identity into this real estate world? It was a conscious, very direct choice. And I'll tell you a little bit of the story. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time and I've had several different businesses, but I think it's about 14 years now. I had an opportunity to start over. <laughs> There's probably a few people out there listening that have had that kind of opportunity, right? And oh, sure. Well, it's the death of a loved one or a divorce, or maybe for some people it was COVID. I don't know, right? Mine was a car accident. I was helping a friend and we were driving and a tire blew and the car went into the dirt and it rolled and it rolled driver's side first. So I got the brunt of the um, the impact of the car and I was rushed to a hospital and after stitching up my head wound, uh, told that I had a broken neck. And um, that was the beginning of about a year long healing journey for my body. And during that time, I had a lot of time to think. And, you know, I think that's what happens when you have those opportunities in your life to kind of pivot. You know, you think, am I really, le you know, leading my best life? And I didn't have a bad life. I loved what I did. Was it really my best life? And I was like, you know what? I want to travel the world. I want to, I want to show my kids that you can do anything you set your mind to. And I want that passive income. You know, because I, I need to be able to afford the life I want. And I started literally Googling passive income towards the end of my um, physical, you know, uh, ordeal. And um, a lot of things come up, you know, royalties, real estate, real estate. <laughs> I got to give me some of that, <laughs> you know, and my brother, who was really kind and taking care of me during that time, he had already been doing a bunch of Tony Robbins stuff. And he said, you know, if you really want to change your life, maybe you should do this after you're, you've healed. And I did. I really realized I had been running my entrepreneurial businesses as actually forming jobs for myself, right? I was an operator in my business. I wasn't the owner of my business, right? I was working it every day. I, ha I had created my own job and I didn't know how to make that shift mindset wise. So 
I started doing Tony Robbins events and man, I drank the Kool-Aid. I can't. <laughs> I went to all the events and eventually I actually started working for him. I'm a trainer for him for some of his live events. I come out and I, I help people make the transitions in their lives that they want. But what I learned along that way is, you know, I'm a huge mindset person. Like, you know, you want to change your life and you want to get passive income or whatever it is you're hoping real estate will do for you. It's not going to only be the strategy and the, you know, how to actually implement the skill sets that you need to do it. It's going to be your mindset and how you have to change. It's the two together that are really going to make the change. And I really needed that kind of education to help me make the change into what I wanted. And I'm just really a huge proponent of uh, self-improvement. And I'm a huge proponent in understanding your own mindset and, and being able to mitigate whatever fears or lacks or anything that you might think you have to achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve. You know, and I still, I, I still have coaches. I still, you know, along my way, you know, after being out of the rat race for quite some time now, you know, so it's like, you know, you still have to figure out what your next steps are. And, and a lot of that has to do with mindset, you know, so, and that's why I got into real estate and luckily I love it. <laughs> It also shows that you can't go it alone, you know, regardless. If you physically need help from someone like your brother, an angel like him, or people in your life that you've met at meetups uh, along the way or at Tony Robbins events, you know, you're you're adding to your skill set, you're adding to your network, and you're adding to people that could help you in some way, and you can help those people in some way. You know, we all could help people in some way that probably we don't realize, we just posted something today. I just, uh, I put up a new property that we just listed. This one right here. Is that the one worried? Did I get the right house? You have the right hat on, yes. All right. I just got my hats today. I'm super excited about my hats. We got a, a hat for each of our properties and for our business. But we just posted this today and, and I heard from somebody that is looking for somewhere to host a bachelor party uh, as a good friend of ours. One of the bachelors, people in the groom's parties in a wheelchair and we happen to have a ramp leading into the house and we're thinking possibly this could be a place that they could host. They've had a hard time looking for it. You literally never know how you can help somebody and how people can help you if you're just sitting there trying to do it yourself. And and that's one thing that you've built with Ren in that I'm guessing teaching the people that are part of your group that you don't have to go it alone, right? There's a community of people to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can take that in like several different directions. I know for me, prior to real estate, I was kind of a lone whiff wolf entrepreneur, right? Ran my own business, you know, worked my own job, you know, I did all that. And there was a point at which, you know, when I set my, you know, out of the rat race number, you know, I was accumulating single families in Memphis, Tennessee. And then, hey, what do you know? My debt to income ratio was bad and I couldn't get anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to change what I'm doing, Right. And then I switched over to development into multifamily, right? It, and I mean, this is progression over years, right? I, I did jump in. I, I think some people do it. They're wild, crazy, and, and lucky for them. But, you know, I also realized, oh, I'm going to have to partner more. Oh, I'm going to have to, you know, it's not lone wolf anymore, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be me and, and partners and me and other people that are all going to have, have it help work together. But when you actually do that, God, the brain trust that you're bringing to party, the money resources you're bringing to the party, the experience resources that you're bringing to the party, it can be really amazing, you know, and then everybody can, you know, participate in something that's successful and making money. And, and you know, that's, that's a wonderful feeling, but it, it really takes cooperation. 
We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. So can you talk a bit about finding partners and how you've gone about doing it? Maybe some of your recommendations that you have with members of REN and the other groups that you participate in. You know, what, what are some good, good ways that people can partner up? Yeah. Well, God, there's so many ways that you can partner up. You know, um, I think everything from, you know, finding deals, if somebody's really great at finding deals and wants to, but doesn't know how to close on a deal or fund a deal, you know, they can always be part of the closing and the funding by and taking some, you know, passive income or some cash flow from the deal. If you're a passive investor and you want to just invest in a deal, you know, then there's always that avenue to put your money to work and be part of the partnership. If you're great at running numbers and, you know, putting together asset managing the deals, right? Then there's always that. I, I think there's so many different aspects that you can be really good at you know, that there's a lot of different players that can participate. And I think part of the process of getting partnerships, because I've had partners that haven't worked out, right? Like, I think if you learn anything, well, if you've ever been married and divorced, <laughs> you know that all partnerships do not end well. <laughs> and so, you know, it's also about getting to know somebody. Like I, I rush into partnerships, you know, I you want to get to know what that person's about a little bit about their character, what their values are, what they're looking to get out of this business partnership, right? Because that's going to tell you a lot. You're going to be intimate in your money matters because how you run a business is all about how you're running your money. So you've got to get to know how they do that so that you can figure that out. A lot of times when I was just starting to partner, I would use investors' passive income to gap fund or to fund something and I would learn about them. You know, it's a great opportunity to learn about them. And when you're just doing it for flipping, you know, you're you're learning about them for like a project, six months, right? And then you decide if you want to do something together again, right? Mm-hmm. Figure that out from there. It's better than taking on somebody that you barely know for a project that's going to last three to five years, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that it's a process. I think it's a process for, em- for everyone. I mean, look at your partnership. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So far it works out, right, Rory? I don't know. <laughs> so far, yes. <laughs> so we've discovered a lot about our partnership also lately. I mean, Rory's, you know, Rory has his businesses and I worked a W2 job until last year. And then we had this business, which is called Straightforward Short-Term Rentals. We had this on the side, but now it's really a formal thing. And, you know, last year, Rory kind of jumped into straightforward short-term rentals a bit more than I thought he would and really helped clean up the books and, and get things in line because he had a skill set that I didn't have, which was, you know, running QuickBooks and, and really understanding that. I could have learned it from the ground up, but he already did it. And he he did it without me even asking. And next thing I know, I have all these P&Ls that he developed for me, which was, you know, fantastic. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is something you should do more. <laughs> more for this business. I actually, I learned how to snap receipts and put it into the QuickBooks app. So I'm proud of myself for that. Yeah, I know. It's a good, it's a good skill to have. But, you know, Rory, comment a bit about how Deborah has talked about finding partners. You know, you've worked with a lot of people in your real estate career, both on the law side and as a broker. You know, you've worked with partnerships along the way. Like, what are some of the good ones that you've seen work out and why? I can talk about partnerships and everything that I've worked and advised, but I'll say something a little bit more personal to start. And that is, 
you know, you just touched upon kind of the the two biggest mistakes that I made along the way in developing my businesses, particularly the early phases of the law practice, and that is I very much went it alone, thinking that that was safer, that that was smarter, that I would, wouldn't entangle myself with somebody else, and I would always be in charge. But the problem with going it alone is it's entrepreneurship can be very lonely uh, when you're working at uh, on your own, and your brain trust is limited to one. So you're you're not developing and growing and you're not as excited in growing the enterprise as you otherwise could have. Um, and she also kind of touched upon it there. Uh, you know, she mentioned, you know, I hate bringing up the Kiyosaki books, but the, you know, cash flow quadrant idea where I just created myself a job. I was very much um, self-employed and wasn't, I built a job that required me to be there all the time. So those, those two things went hand in hand and kind of shaped the feel of the the early stages of my business. But, you know, since then, that's changed. I've had the privilege of partnering a little bit more. And as you suggested, Jason, I have had the privilege of working with some other partnerships. And it's very similar in some ways to a marriage. And I like to have people who are starting a partnership, whether it's a single property or it's a business, to actually just sit down and talk through what would happen in bad situations, what their expectations are and draw up a formal agreement. And I don't think I've ever had to have anybody fall back on the formal written agreement that we've put together for them. I think in large part because by going through that exercise, you're actually addressing the questions in advance and coming to an understanding. You know, people think like, well, what happens if one person goes personally bankrupt? Um, What happens in there? What happens if one person just falls upon hard times? What's going to happen there? What happens if one person gets cold feet and really wants to exit the partnership? So I think when you're forming a partnership with somebody, you really have to have thoughtful, deliberate conversation about all the eventualities and put as much as you can in writing. Um, and hopefully you'll never have to go back and look at that, that document again. But I think having that 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 in-depth conversation is great, whether you're talking about a marriage or whether you're talking about um, a business uh, partnership. Mm-hmm. Deborah, talk a bit about the people who come to the Ren events, maybe for the first time. Do you have a lot of events throughout the country? You have a number of chapters at this point. Like, you know, when you see a first time person there, what what is that conversation like? Right. So we went online, you know, like everybody else during COVID and we're just getting back out into the market. Um, so we we've started doing that by having some kind of quarterly specialized events. And um, so our online events tend to um, have more appeal to newbies um, because um, they're just kind of getting their feet wet and getting to know our organization, right? And so those are monthly events. And we have somebody who um, comes and speaks about a particular business model. And um, so it's different every month, right? So it could be short-term rentals one month. It could be uh, long-term rentals, it could be notes, it could be whatever, you know, whatever that business model is. We have some women that are coming to speak about um, industrial properties um, in the next upcoming months. And so, you know, they can come and they can get a taste of who we are and what our culture is, right? Um, because I've kind of explained to you, you know, what our culture is. Like, we're we're very much like, okay, you know, uh, hand in hand. And, you know, there is a genuine want to see each other succeed. And, and there is also some accountability that, you know, you, you got to do the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's, that's part of that. Um, our, our live events are very energetic. <laughs> I remember Tony Robbins background, so I don't know how to time manage. that <laughs> 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 stuff packed into a day. <laughs> um, our last live event was last, um, 
was just in March. We had what we called SOAR, and um, it was about women who have gone big. So we had eight women speakers and over a billion of assets managed. So apartment complexes, hotels, um, industrial, storage units. It was all women who were, who were owned and operated those. And, uh, and it was really amazing. You know, um, once again, like you said, you know, you go into a regular real estate group and you're really going to see men at the front of the room. And that's because they have a lot of experience talking in front of the room because they've been in the business a long time. And women just don't get uh, that much experience with that. And with Ren, we actually encourage our members to do that. We're like, we we have a, a program that we encourage them to do case studies on their on their own projects so that they can get that experience of being in the front of the room so that they can command a room, you know, at some point. And so mm-hmm. here women who who operate, you know, a billion dollars worth of assets that are, you know, speaking in front of a room and and talking about the finances of it and talking about how it impacts their family and, you know, and and how they're running things at home as well as running the business at work. You know, there's there can be, and I and I don't think this is exclusive to women. Like if you have a family at home, you know, you feel guilty when you're at work and not at home. And then you feel guilty when you're at home and not at work. And there's a cycle of guilt and shame that happens, you know, and um, and it's it's okay, right? Like it's okay that we can talk about it and figure out our way around that and through that so that we can all, you know, prosper and get what we want, you know, in the end goal, you know? So yeah, and it's okay to, you know, honoring yourself in wanting that. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I want to make sure I say this correctly. You know, you see a lot of younger guys that get into this space and then the women, oftentimes they are their partners that they get brought along the way to start. Um, or they, you know, find their way in their thirties or forties that this is something that they want to do. Um, I heard what, I remember what Natalie talked once in one of her podcasts where she'd see a couple at a meetup and the guy would be like the big, you know, uh, boisterous personality. That's the real estate developer or the short-term rental operator. And she'd say, Oh, you know, so what do you do? I talked to the wife. Uh, Oh, I just do the design work and all the guest communication and all the bookkeeping. And I set up all the legal entities and, you know, I deal with the insurance company, but you know, just all that stuff. And she's like, so you're in charge of operations, (laughs) you know, like trying to empower her a little bit saying like, you know, that's great that he's kind of getting all this credit, but you deserve a lot of this credit as well. Do you find that there are young women that are single that come into this space in your groups? Because I haven't seen that that much. I think the young women are coming along with a guy and then they're kind of lockstep or they're coming along with their female partner and they're lockstep or they're later on in their life. And it's something that they are doing together while they already have some young kids. You know what? It's a lot of different women. You know, I... There have been women who've come into our group that are single moms that are going out real estate to make it all work for them, you know, so that they can have time, freedoms and flexibilities with their kids as they raise them and and have some income coming in. And there have been at-home moms that, you know, have a good lifestyle, but want to be able to afford great vacations for their families and want to supplement the family's income that way. I mean, it's just been such a wide range of women and such a wide age range and demographic. It really caters to every, you know, everybody. One of the things that I find interesting, and I guess this is just statistics or whatever, but there are a lot of first-generation American women here. I'm first-generation. Um, my, my parents are both born out of the United States, you know. And I think, I don't know if it's, you know, 
you're brought up and you're feeling like, you know, this is the land of plenty. You better take advantage of it. I don't know what it is, but there are a lot of first generations in in real estate in general. But it, for women in particular, I, I find that, you know, somebody who is been brought to this country or, you know, or whose parents were born someplace else that are participating. I don't know why that is. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they, they see it as a way that they have to kind of form their own path and they're in charge of that. You know, they don't have parents to lead back on necessarily. Like maybe if they don't, they're not from generational wealth, it's certainly possible. Right. And I think you're, you know, somebody who's come from another country to move here has got to be a bit of a risk taker, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, even though I think in my family, I mean, I'm half Mexican, half Irish, right? And I think in my family, even though the motto was like, keep your head down, work hard, right? It was mm -hmm. never shoot for the stars, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was a hardworking, you know, a work ethic, but it was also like two people who kind of took a chance and ended up here. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I don't know. Well, Mexican and Irish, what an amazing combo. Yeah. I mean, but. Yeah, you got Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day, double Catholic. Yes, <laughs> that's great. We, um, we party, we confess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you needed to get that on one of those like posters that you put into all like you know your, on your office or or in a short term <laughs> rental. That would be funny. People take pictures in front of it, t-shirts. Right there's your new business idea. Let's get to our final questions that we ask of all of our guests on the podcast. We can wrap things up a little bit and you can tell everyone how they can get involved with the Women's Real Estate Network. So these three questions are very simple. They are not gotcha questions. They are just a way to get to know you a little bit better and to wrap up the interview. Yeah, let everybody get to know me better. <laughs> we got to know you very, very well. But yeah, so these, these, these might be like, you know, a total aside. First question, if you can get on stage and talk for half an hour about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? It would be mindset. It would be understanding what's possible for people. Like I think sometimes that people don't understand that, you know, they sit back and think, I wish I had or I wish I could. And I want to say you can. That's what I want to say. You know, so yeah. it would all be about mindset and how it can trip us up and how we can navigate around it. You know, I've heard a lot about mindset lately. A lot of the people that are in the mastermind that I'm in talk about mindset. Even people that are just in local real estate groups. I've just had lunch with somebody a couple of days ago and he was talking about mindset. Um, I never really thought about mindset during my career, you know, during my actual working for another company career. I think it's the kind of thing that we think about when we're either tired of that career or making that transition. And it's a very important conversation to have internally. It's important to have with our spouses and our partners and friends as well. But, you know, I don't discount that word mindset by any means. It's something that more people should really think through when they when they have the chance to kind of get their mind in the right space. Yeah. So you have a uh, desire, right? Yeah. You know, like what, what, one thing I've thought about, uh, not to get grim or anything, and you certainly had a situation happen in your life that, you know, was, you almost lost your life in a, in a car accident. But you know, you start counting down the years you have left, right? Like from average life expectancy. Like, you know, we're all going, we're all going to be in the ground at some point, right? So, you no know. one gets out alive. <laughs> no one does, right? And then, you know, we're all guilty. You know, I was raised Catholic too. So, you know, we're, we're guilty the whole way on earth. And then, you know, no one gets out alive. You look at the amount of summers that you have left and you want to make the best of those summers, right? You know, and when you're 20, you don't think about that. When you're 40, you think about it a little bit more. And you say, okay, well, how do I want to spend the rest of my time? Second question that you might have answered this one already, but it's uh, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. I would have to go back to um, the accident that happened. You know, it, I look at that time now and I think it was a wake up call. It was a wake up call. I'm really happy to have heard it. 
you know, because I got the opportunity to change things. And I, and I think along with the opportunity comes the motivation, right? Like, oh, I don't want to go back there now. Now I have a new idea of what my life can be and I want to make that happen. Right. Yeah. So it was that opportunity. So yeah, I'd have to go to there. Yeah, I I could have okay, said probably it was having kids. It was <laughs> how many kids do you have? Two. Two. Okay. <laughs> Final question. <laughs> of course, you know, best day of your life, have the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you're listening to or reading or watching these days. Anything in the world. Yeah. Okay. So I just picked up um Never Eat Dinner Alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be a great networking book. I, and I literally just cracked it open. I, I haven't even read it yet. So I'm looking forward to reading that um, just because I think that's a great concept. You know, never eat to very alone. You know, we should be in co- in community with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm listening to Pink's greatest hits right now. Like, I don't know why I'm so into her lately. She's just like, she's like a rebel and yeah. know, this energy. And I, I don't know, just to she just. Just put out a new album recently also. Went up yet. I'm still in the greatest hits. <laughs> have you seen her have you seen her in concert? No, but I want to see her do all that aerial work. Yeah. That looks fascinating to me. So yeah. Probably no, you know, great stretch that I like a woman who is bold and thinks out of the box, right? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I mean, like I, I was just t- telling Rory about it. actually Misunderstood came out over twenty years ago. It came out like in two thousand one or two thousand two. And that album transformed her because I actually saw Pink live back in the late 90s, back when I worked in the radio world. And she was part of these like multi-package festival concerts. That would be these outdoor sheds where she'd, you know, get 20 minutes to play in front of this, in front of the band that was setting up when the curtain was down, where she'd be singing, you know, on top of a track before she was really what she's become. And then when, you know, Misunderstood came out, like she kind of made a statement and said, I'm not that R&B girl. I'm this instead. And then it just took off afterward. And I have not seen her with the acrobatics, but she's actually she's touring this year. I mean, I think that, you know, when this podcast comes out, it'll just be a couple months until I think she's coming back to Family Park, I believe, here in Boston. So I'm sure she's coming to L.A. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see her. I think she'd be really like a kick in person, you know? yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully you can make your way to a pink concert at some point this year or in the future. So, Deborah, tell everybody where they could learn more about you and uh, get linked up with Ren if they want to learn more about the Women's Real Estate Network. Yeah. So, Ren is um, Ren, W-R-E-N, inspires.com. If you're looking to look at our website and we have a calendar of events there. Um, and we're Ren Inspires on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're Ren Inspires everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if you're looking to connect with me personally, it's just DebraRazzo.com and I'd be happy to connect with you, schedule a call with me or whatever you need and and uh, we can go from there. Yeah. All right. That sounds great. Rory, where can people get a hold of you? Um, you can find me either through my real estate brokerage, that's Next Home Title Town, nexthometitletown.com or my law practice, Urban Village Legal, that's urbanvillagelegal.com. All right. Thank you. And if you want to get a hold of me, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or have comments, questions for me, for Deborah, for any of us, you could find me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com. That's it. That's a wrap. That's another episode. Deborah, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we wish you the best with Women's Real Estate Network and all your investments. So thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great getting to know you guys, too. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Uh, done a lot after you've seen Pink. Yeah. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this, uh, we read all your comments. So please leave a comment if you want to give us a five-star review. We love five-star reviews and nothing less. 
Thank you so much for listening or watching us. We'll see you next time. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.